Good morning, church. It's good to see you and be with you uh, this morning. Uh, when, when planning this, this passage uh, breakdown, uh, I, I really thought this, this sermon would be a pretty straightforward one uh, about, about prayer. Right After all, Luke gives a, a little description at the beginning of, of this passage that this is a story about the need to pray always and not give up. Uh, but as I got into studying it, I, I got a, it, it got a little more complicated. I started seeing some things that I, I, I didn't expect. Uh, and, and, and I think, so I, I do think this, this story is about prayer. Uh, but, but I think perhaps it's, it's even more so about hope. About hope. Uh, and let me tell you what I, what I mean and kind of walk through this in, in three points this morning. Uh, persecution is perennial. Justice is coming. Don't give up. These are our three uh, sections, persecution is perennial, justice is coming, don't give up. Let's pray once more and we'll, we'll dive into the text. Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning and thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, whatever, uh, wh- whatever is keeping us uh, from hearing you this morning, whatever might distract us, whatever might, uh, might um, block us in some way from, from hearing, whether it's our own flesh, our own pride, our own sin, whether it's the enemy uh, who, who loves to come and steal, kill, destroy, who wants to, to snatch up every gospel seed before it, uh, before it takes root. Uh, I just pray that you would protect us, you would lead us, you would help us. Uh, to hear from you by your Holy Spirit through your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Persecution is perennial. Um, If you walk into Lowe's to buy plants, uh, then you might have to, as I do, always have to think about annual and perennial. You know what perennial means. Um, Sometimes I have to Google it because does annual mean you have to buy it every year? Does it mean it comes back every year? I don't know. Uh, But uh, annuals, of course, are the, you know, oftentimes the more flowering, pretty plants that they die each year. Uh, You have to buy them again. Uh, Where perennials, uh, they come back, right? They come back each year, uh, unless you have like a snowmageddon situation, then maybe they're not perennial. Uh, But uh, but perennials, right? They they come back. So persecution is perennial. It comes back over and over and over in the life of the church. Uh, th- this, is, is, uh, this is modeled for us, right, by even Jesus, so as we saw last week, and much of, of uh, kind of interpreting this passage, I think it, this continues from last week, from the, the passage Pastor Kevin preached on the day of judgment, the day when, when the Son of Man will come, um, and, and Jesus himself even models this. Back in 1725, he says, but first, it's necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus would experience suffering. And what did he tell us often? If they hate me, <laughs> you think they're gonna love you? You think they're gonna accept you? No, they're gonna reject you. Um, even in, in, our, in our passage today, in verse seven, will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Right? This is God's people crying out for justice, crying out, and this word is actually for vengeance. Like, like avenge us, help us, justice. Right? Why, why would they be crying out for justice? Because they're being persecuted. Right? They're, they're being wronged. They're suffering. And so they're crying out to God. And, and the church exists in a state of persecution and hardship. Persecution is perennial. From the very beginning, uh, the world has opposed the church. 
right? And you could trace this through, through the Old Testament. We, we, if you just even start in the early church, in Acts, right? In Acts 7, you see Stephen. Uh, he's, he's the first martyr, right? He's, he's stoned to death for uh, his, his testimony about Jesus. Um, and and the, the people who stone him lay their coats at the feet of who? Of Paul, right? Who were later Paul of Saul then, right? Who was a great persecutor of the church. In Acts 12, we see James, uh, the apostle, is beheaded. Peter is imprisoned. Um, at, soon after, you, you read about Paul and his, his miraculous conversion, right? Paul, he, he persecuted the church. He was throwing Christians in prison until he met Jesus, until he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, and, and, and God sent him out to be a missionary. And so he, went, he started to share this good news. And he was, what, he beaten, stoned, uh, shipwrecked, uh, put in prison. He, at one point, he was stoned, and they dragged him out of the city, assuming he was dead. This is how much he suffered and he taught in all the churches through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God uh, an, an old Paul writes to his son in the faith Timothy uh, and says this in 2 Timothy 3 uh, he, he says in fact all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted persecution is perennial in the church so we might ask well, why don't we relate to this very well? Now, it's not that there's no persecution here for us. There is some, right? Some Christians in America have lost their jobs because of their belief, because they refuse to compromise. Um, some some uh, have been made fun of, have been maligned. Some have, have faced rejection from their family. Some maybe have, have uh, you know, faced physical threats of, of violence. Uh, but 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 if if we look at the general uh, level of persecution in our area, right here and now, I think we'd have to say we're on the receiving end of very very little persecution, right? If there's a scale of the you know persecution meter, we're we're on the low side, right? Uh, we, we don't experience a lot, and some of that is just a, a cause for gratitude, isn't it? Right? I, I'm thankful that we can worship freely. I'm thankful that my children aren't in constant danger of attacks on our family. I'm thankful that, that my speech isn't censored in any meaningful way. I'm thankful that I, I don't have to go to jail for being a pastor. That's not true in a lot of places in the world today. But, but I can't help but wonder and just ask this, this is what runs through my mind with a verse like this, all who want to live a godly life in Jesus will be persecuted. I can't help but wonder if, if some of this lack of persecution isn't just that we live in a free country, but rather an, an effect of where we have placed our ultimate hope. And here's what I mean. Hope, hope you know, on the ground level, is, is just what gets you through the day, right? It's, it's what, if everything else falls apart, it lets you know everything's gonna be okay, right? Okay, it's, it's gonna go bad, but that's okay because of this, right? That's your hope, that's your ultimate hope. So you're putting, placing your well-being in, in this, this hope. We all need it. We all have it. And I wonder if we've placed our hope here in this world rather than in the next. And there, I think there's two ways that, that I, I constantly see this. And there are many more, but I think these are two fundamental ways I see this, even, even among Christians. And, and the first is this, uh, personal comfort uh, and affluence, 
right? Avoiding disease, delaying death. Uh, it's like we have this ability, and it's, I think it's a unique ability historically. We have this ability because of the, the wealthy and, and uh, nice society that we live in, we're able to kind of put on blinders and just think, man, this is, this is where it's at. Right? If I have a, a, a good job, if I have a nice home, if my family's comfortable, if I can educate my kids, if we can go out to eat, if we can go on family vacations, then I'm good. Right? I'm good. You can put, put on blinders almost. Yeah, death, and we know, we know that death happens, but, but you, know, you just put on your blinders and think, if I, have, I think I got 10, 20, 30, 40 years, however many, and this is it. This is life. This is where it's at. We can put our hope in this. The second uh, is changing the current situation through politics, right? Changing the current situation through politics. I think I see so many put their hope in, in this very thing. I think you see this uh, when, when we are more passionate about political hot button issues than about worshiping Jesus, Right? If you can get in a conversation and there's a topic can come up, a, a policy issue, a candidate, whatever, and you get worked up about it, you know? You get talking about it. You're passionate about it. And you speak that same way when Jesus comes up. Or do you shut down? Right? You're passionate about a political issue, but are you passionate in worship? You pour your heart out to God. Can can we just talk about this upcoming election season for a second? Because it's coming. (laughs) Please don't let your your hope be captured by a political candidate or a political agenda or political party. Listen, you know their playbook. What are they going to do? Fear, 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 right? They're just going to make you afraid. And then what are they going to do? They're going to demonize the other side. They're the epitome of evil. And then they're going to lift up their own candidate. This is the savior that you can put all of your hopes in. That's the play, isn't it? Just don't buy it. Just, just, let's just skip that part, okay? Let's not, let's not put our hopes in any p- political candidate, any political party. Only buy into that. We're putting our, our hope here on this earth. And, and I think if we, if we do that, if we put our hope here in these ways, of, of, it makes sense. We're not persecuted. Of course, we're not persecuted. We look just like the world. We don't get any opposition because they just look at us and go, they're the same as us, except they're busy on Sunday mornings. And worse, if we put our hope here in these ways, we, we aren't ready for the inevitable failure of both of these hopes. All right, stuff isn't bad. Comfort isn't bad. Health isn't bad. But they're bad hopes, Right, they're bad hopes because they will let you down. Right, they'll let you down. Inevitably, they, your stuff can't save you. You can't stay healthy forever. You can't live forever. And we shouldn't be scared or surprised when the diagnosis hits, the terminal diagnosis hits, when age comes and takes away our physical and mental faculties and then takes our life. Politics isn't bad. We should be engaged citizens. We should love our neighbors. We should serve our communities, especially the poor and the needy among us. 
But no politician, however virtuous, however good, can bring justice and peace to our world. No political agenda can save you. No politician has died on the cross for you. And we shouldn't be scared or surprised when politicians from both parties sell out to power and lead our nation into darkness. Persecution is perennial. And do you see, if we live in a time when we don't experience a lot of persecution, that's an anomaly in church history. That's like we're the weird ones. (laughs) Most people, most Christians throughout time, even throughout the world, couldn't relate to us in that. And I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, prophesying. I'm not, I'm not a doomsday predictor. But, but Peter says, and I love how Peter says this, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Right, when persecution hits, you know what? That's, that's not weird. This is the strange thing. The, the strange thing would not be to experience persecution. Days of darkness will come. And it could be soon. We don't know. But there's good news. And this is number two. Justice is coming. Justice is coming. Um, in the story, uh, starting in, in verse two, uh, there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. And this judge, is, uh, Jesus calls him an unrighteous judge. So this is, this is not saying he's impartial. It's saying uh, he doesn't care about anybody. Right? He doesn't care. Uh, and, and the widow comes. And, and the widow would be the, the, you know, from the lowest strata of society. There'd be people who could not provide for, the, for herself. Um, this, this widow didn't have anyone to come to the judge for her and didn't have anyone to advocate for her. Uh, she also didn't have any money, commentators point out, to bribe the judge. Um, so all she has is just, she just keeps coming. She just has the ability to keep going to the judge and saying, please give me justice, please give me justice. She's probably being uh, exploited financially by this, whoever this is, this person or adversary. Verse four, for a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. So the judge, again, he doesn't care, uh, but, but he says, ah, oh, fine, right? It's, 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 the lady's just pestering him. That, 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 uh, uh, the phrase, she won't, doesn't wear me out. It's an idiom that means, it actually, it literally means give me a black eye. She's like, she's just beating me down by her persistent coming. Fine, I'll give her justice. Okay, then, then let's, let's look at verse six, what, what Jesus says, how he, how he interprets this. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you, he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? All right, Jesus says, if the judge didn't care about her at all and, but gave her justice because she kept asking, don't you think if God's people are crying out and the ones he loves are crying out, don't you think he'll answer them? He will answer them. He'll give them justice. But notice the end. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on earth? He's talking about, I think, when he comes, he's talking about what, what Pastor Kevin talked about last week, right? All about the day of judgment, the coming of the Son of Man. In 22, it says, there will be a day that you long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but it won't be here. 
right? This, this is the, the day of justice. This is the day when Jesus comes and brings justice. Um, and judgment, uh, justice, judgment, it, it's, actually, it's actually really good news, right? I think we, we sometimes shy away from thinking about judgment and thinking about eternal judgment, people going to hell. That's, that's a hard thing to think about. Um, but but if, you, if, you, if you don't agree with that, I, I think simply you, you, you haven't really thought about it, right? Because it's, it's actually... Uh, it's actually, I think, what everyone really wants. He, even the person who, who, who says, you know, I don't want anyone to have to suffer. I don't want anyone to go to hell, right? Um, and of course, we should feel that way, right? But even if you think, I don't think anyone should, right? Then you got, well, what about, what about Hitler? He should just be led into heaven? Well, not him, you know. What about people who hurt children, well, not that, you know, everyone has a line. Everyone has, has a standard that says, okay, well, no, I, I, I don't think that, I do think they should be punished in some way, all right? And why is that? It's because we're made in the image of God and we, we know about justice, right? We have a sense of justice. Everyone wants justice, but, but human justice is never complete, right? Human justice is never complete. You, you just, justice should be proportional, right? The, the, the punishment should fit the crime, and you can think of heinous crime. You can think of Hitler. What, what does he deserve for, for killing millions of Jews? The death penalty? Is that, an, is that, is that enough? No, much, worse, much more, right? What, 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 more, what more is there though, right? The human justice is always and necessarily incomplete. We, we can't ever find actually full human justice. But, but divine justice, God's justice is complete. He is the one who can punish people exactly, proportionally, perfectly in line with their works, with what they deserve. All right, and here, here's the amazing thing. Because there is a divine judge, right, Christians, we can forgive our enemies. Right, if there's no divine lawgiver, if there's no divine judge, if there's no, there's no ultimate justice in the world, you know what that means? That means justice is on us. Right? I gotta hold that grudge. I gotta inflict that pain on the person who hurt me. I can't let it go. Right? I can't forgive. Why? Because ju- justice has to be served. It has, it's on me. It's on us. But if, but if there's a judge who sees all, who knows all, and who promises to punish all, right, then, then Christians, we can really forgive. We can really love our enemies and cry out to God for justice, right? We leave it in his hands. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. He's the one who brings justice. And he says, will he delay helping them? I tell you, he will swiftly grant them justice. And you might think this means, well, he's gonna do it every time right away. But, but we see he doesn't do that. Right, so what does this mean? If it, if it doesn't mean he's gonna do it immediately every time right away, that, that, would, I mean, that would actually be against the, the, even the immediate context of this, uh, of this passage, right? Even back in, in 22, when it says uh, that you, there's coming a day, uh, the days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you won't see it. Like he's saying, there will be a time where you'll be crying out, you'll be wanting me to come and I'm, I won't be there. But there is a time of waiting. Uh, this is a call, there's so many verses about, this is a call for the endurance of the saints. We, we need to endure. And, and I can see someone reading this and going, okay, so he said he's gonna, he's gonna come, he's gonna bring justice, but he hasn't. He said he's gonna come back. 
you know, soon. Well, where is he? It's been 2,000 years since Jesus ascended to heaven. You say he's going to come back? Why hasn't he come? It's a good question. Uh, and Peter actually addresses this in, in, in uh, 2 Peter 3. Um, he, he's talking about people who say, uh, who say, where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. Right? You say he's going to come back. Where is he then? And here's what Peter says, uh, 3.8. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Right, God's timetable is not our timetable. Right, his, his ways are not our ways. He's wise. And we see here he's patient. He's patient because he wants to bring people in. He wants people to come to repentance. He's giving people a chance. He's calling people to himself. Maybe he's calling you today to believe, to trust. This is not saying he will always deliver immediately, but it is saying, and you can take this to the bank, will he delay helping them? I tell you, he will swiftly grant them justice, that, that Jesus will bring justice. Right? When he comes, he will bring justice, and it will be swift, and it will be severe, and it will be certain. So don't give up. Persecution is perennial. Justice is coming. So don't give up. This is what, what, Peter, what Luke says this is about. Always pray and not give up. Don't lose heart, some translations say. And the, the last question there uh, that Jesus asked, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith on earth? I, I don't think this is Jesus wondering if there will be any Christians when he returns. Um, I, I think he knows, you know, and, and I think it's always a good, uh, good, uh, you know, practice in scripture to when Jesus asks questions, pay attention because it's not because he doesn't know them, right? Why is he asking this? Why is he saying that? I think this is a question meant to stir us to action. The Bible's filled with passages like these. I think an example is in Hebrews uh, chapter 10. Uh, and in Hebrews 10, uh, I, I'm gonna read a little bit of a context here because it's talking about a suffering church. This is a, a letter, an epistle to a suffering and a persecuted church. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 32. Remember the earlier days when after you'd been enlightened, after you were saved, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions and at other times you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions because you know that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For in yet a very little while, the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed but those who have faith and are saved. I, I think this is an example. You could read a verse like that in, like the, in, in, in 37 uh, and 38. Uh, my righteous one will live by faith. If he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. You think, oh no, that's, what does that mean? Uh, but look at how the, the author of Hebrews interprets that. Look at what he, his response to that is. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. 
And I think it's similar for, in this question for Jesus, right? When he says, will, will, there, will, I find faith, will the Son of Man find faith on earth? We should go, Lord, make us faithful. Would we be the ones who persevere in faith? Would we be ones who don't set our hope on anything in this world, but who set our hope fully on you? Would you help us? Right, we, we cry out for that. Um, and and this, I think Jesus is stirring us here to that action. But when, when the days of darkness come, right, which, which they will, how will we do this? How will we hold fast to Christ and no earthly hope? How, how will we get the strength to keep praying and never give up? We just gotta try really hard? No. Verse seven uh, has, has, a, has a really interesting word. Luke uses an interesting word when he says, will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? He uses the word his elect. See that? Uh, Luke, Luke wrote uh, over 25% of the New Testament between Luke and Acts. Right? The most words in the New Testament of, an, of a single author. Um, and, and he uses this word, this, this word for the elect, on, only twice. Only twice. This place, uh, and, and the other one is in Luke 23, when Jesus is on the cross. Uh, this is Luke 23, 33. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on the left. The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others, let him save himself. If this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Right, the chosen one, that, that, that phrase is, is the same word for the elect. That's the, the same Greek word. And the ironic thing about this mocking of Jesus is, of course, that, that he could have saved himself, but, but he didn't, precisely because he was the Messiah, precisely because this is what he came to do. And the only way we will have the courage, the strength, the faith to persevere when we're persecuted when we suffer, when hardship hits, is if we see Jesus suffering on the cross in our place. Right, the, the elect, the chosen one, right? The, the very son of God cried out to be delivered in the garden, didn't he? He cried out, let this cup pass from me. But he was left to die. He had the power, he had the right. It would be just, right, to, for him to deliver himself but he willingly gave himself up. Justice was denied to him, the chosen one, so that we could be the father's chosen and that God could always answer us, deliver us, and justify us. He was cast out so that we could be brought in. He was abandoned so that we could be rescued. And anything else we put our hope in, anything else we set our hope on in this world, let us down. And, and think of this in practice, right? Think of this in, in history, in, in, in the history of, of the church and our brothers and sisters who have suffered, right? Like, like when Stephen, like we saw earlier, when he was the first martyr, when he was uh, on trial, when he was stoned to death, do you, do you think he was thinking about the new chariot he could purchase you know, when, when, if he got loose, if, if they let him go, the new, the new, he's like, I'm gonna splurge on this new chariot I've always wanted, you think that was his hope? No, right? In fact, we know what Stephen was thinking. Why? Because it says, what, what happened? He looked up to heaven and he saw the son of God seated at the right hand. 
He, he literally looked to Jesus and saw him and that sustained him. Right, Paul, when he's shipwrecked, when he's beaten, when he's imprisoned, you think he's putting his hope in a coup to overthrow the Roman emperor and put in an emperor with Christian values? He's going, that's what's gonna help us. No, no, what does he say? I, I've learned in plenty and in need and suffering and in, 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 in joy how to be content. I've learned the secret. What is it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I look to Jesus. He's the one who sustains me. What about black Christian slaves in the 18th and 19th centuries held in generational slavery in the American South? What did they look for? What was their hope? Did they look forward to social progress uh, that, that would result in their freedom? No, there's no, there's no chance of that. No, they, what, what are they hoping? Were they saying, swing low, sweet chariot, coming forward to carry me home? Right, they looked to their home and to the Savior who would bring justice that they needed. Right, when, when Corey and Betsy Ten Boom went to Ravensbrück, uh, the women's concentration camp in Germany for helping Jews during the Holocaust, what was their hope? What, was it in the world? Was it in getting their possessions back? Or was it in even a political change that might let them free? No. No, but, but, but Corey wrote, the blacker the night around us grew, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the word of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I would look about as Betsy read, watching the light leap from face to face. More than conquerors. It was not a wish. It was a fact. We knew it. We experienced it minute by minute. Poor, hated, hungry. We were more, are more than conquerors. Not we shall be. We are Life in Ravensbrück took place on two separate levels, mutually impossible. One, the observable external life grew every day more horrible. The other, the life we live with God, grew daily better, truth upon truth, glory upon glory. They hoped in Jesus. What other hope is there? What other hope can sustain you through a concentration camp? When his love transforms your heart, then he's your hope, he's your joy, he's your life, he's everything. Jesus is the only one, he's the only one who's loved you enough to sacrifice himself for you, to defeat death, to rise from the dead, never to die again. He's the only hope available to you that will never let you down. And so you can press on, you can never give up because you know that he won't ever fail you. Persecution is perennial. Jesus is coming. Don't give up. Let's pray. Father, I'm so glad uh, that you've told us the truth, uh, that you don't sugarcoat this for us. You don't, you don't make us uh, assume that our lives will be easy and carefree after, uh, after when we follow you. But you've been honest. <laughs> you've told us what to expect. Lord, would we be ready 
Would we be ready to suffer? Because we know we will. Lord, it's so hard for us not to put our hope in the things of this world. It's so hard for us not to, not to place our hope on the things we can see because we can see them. They're all around us. We get so caught up in, in the daily life. It's, it all feels so important. So would you help us to set our hope on what we cannot see? To remember you, to remember reality. Lord, we are weak. <laughs> we are frail. We have no power in ourselves. You know that. So fill us with your spirit. We belong to you. Lord, if there's a person in here, for, for the people in here, I'm sure, who don't, don't know you, who don't, don't have a, a hope that could carry them through a concentration camp, who don't have a hope to, to cling to when the darkness falls, would you pour your love into their hearts? Would they see and understand and know how much you love them? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.